like eating 30 fruits and then experiencing some sort of consummation-related frenzy. So are the games of our lives. I am a Yoshi, and these are the games of our lives. Super Mario and Pokemon and all the games that took us to another place and made us wanna keep playing all night. Welcome to the Games of Our Lives podcast. My name is Bill, as always, with Tony, and today we're going to talk about some dang old video games. This week's focus, of course, the Nintendo 64 classic from 1997, Yoshi's Story. 97? Yeah, 97. Oh, man. Wow, I was a little boy. I was a five-year-old boy. It was one of the games that made us who we are, and it... it Came out a lot longer ago than I remembered. Facts. So are the games of our lives. But before we dive into Yoshi's story here, there's a lot of news that happened in the video game sphere over the last week or so. It's kind of insane. Uh, Just a couple of little things to tie up that we've talked about in the past. Pokemon Go, after the outcry of fans, uh, basically upset that the radius has shrunk down from Niantic's decision to bring the radius back to what it normally was for catching Pokemon and spinning uh, Pokestops and gyms and whatnot. They they buckled, and they're like, you know what? Fine, have your 80-meter your radius back. <laughs> Please stop yelling at us. We just want your money. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. If you complain enough, you will get your way. No, I'm just kidding. It's... It's weird because I think they do just want everyone to be happy so they can make more money ultimately and they probably realize that more people will play. I really stopped playing, going out and stopping at stuff. Not like I'd spend money on the game anyway, but just because I was like, man, I don't feel like having to drive a little bit further from this parked spot to like reach something else and I just stopped. So maybe they're like, all right, for the players it would be good. And it really is. It makes the game a little more fun when you go out that things are a little bit more accessible not for nothing but the the 80 meters like the increase of 80 meters i don't think it really changes the meta that much because it's not like it's not like they're saying all right everybody's allowed to spoof now <laughs> they're saying all right you can now reach across the street without having to get hit by a car <laughs> like that more or less that's the difference <laughs> more or less yeah <laughs> so Listen, if you're a Pokemon Go fan, you're probably really happy. I I mean, I don't think this is a bad move. I, I think it's fine. I think a game is meant to evolve over time, especially if it is a game that gets constant updates. And, you know, this is just one of the quality of life changes that I think makes sense for the people. Updates? This game? Let's talk about where's Kecleon. That's going to be my new <laughs> thing until he is released. Gen 8, Zashin, and Zamazenta are out but kecleon is not so what if kecleon has actually been out this whole time just nobody's been able to see him on the radar map oh my god (laughs) you sir are genius yo niantic hire me (laughs) hire ya boy (laughs) that's that is kind of wild that kecleon's not in the in the game it's the little stuff like that that irks me about the game, you know? Maybe So G- Gen 3 will be here soon enough, I'm sure. Gen 3? 
Isn't Kecleon Gen 3? Yeah. So so maybe we'll have a full Gen 3 by the time oh, Pokemon Go is gen. done. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, we're on Gen 6 and they didn't finish Gen 3 yet. I'm just like, it's bad enough they release like one Pokemon every two weeks and make everyone, well, like two or three at a time, but like make everyone go sick. But how about you just release just Kecleon and then we could just close that chapter, you know? Right, right. Yeah, this isn't a Pokemon Go complaining, uh episode so i'll I'll stop (laughs) more at a time and let you carry on with the news good sir sorry well speaking of closing chapters it looks like pokemon unite is finally closing a chapter on the gen 1 starters now that blastoise is going to be coming to pokemon unite starting september 1st you get to play as charizard you get to play as venusaur you get to play as pikachu but uh, a wide open spot that's been missing has been blastoise so the fact that he's coming to the game, I mean, it's got a lot of people happy, obviously, because you get to start a Squirtle. <laughs> and, like, what's not to love about slamming people with a water cannon, you know? Yeah, no, it's fun. Uh, I still haven't played Pokemon Unite yet, but, <laughs> you know, someday my Torterra will come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Torterra could get put in the game, and then we'll be like, all right, what have we been playing this week? And you'll be like, yeah, I found some indie ps4 game where you're in a kitchen with like vegan meatballs and it's basketball and it's like 15 bucks on the e-shop and yeah i've been playing that because <laughs> that's what you come up with always good stuff at the, <laughs> at the what we've been playing actually vegan uh meatball basketball is a pretty fantastic game and at its price point you know 12 dollars, you can't beat it 12 dollars. i don't have money like that well Listen, it's them indie dollars. <laughs> yeah, they they go on a different pay scale, you know, like Mario, Pokemon, any new game that comes out, Walmart, fifty bucks. That's where I get my new games. But indie yeah, games honestly. they're like Yeah. We we were just gonna charge more in, in comparison. Or maybe it's less. I don't know. Good for them for making good games. Numbers are weird and hard. Oh yes, very much. Speaking of new characters, we got Blastoise and Pokemon Unite. And the upcoming Nickelodeon fighting game that's going to be coming up, which, I mean, I think the whole fighting game community is really hyped up about this game, uh, just had two new reveals this week. Catdog and April O'Neil from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are coming to Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, which is pretty fire. I ain't gonna lie. Dude, Catdog is a staple. I can't believe I didn't think about Cat Dog when going through the roster in my head of potential characters, but yeah, that's uh, I got real hype when I saw that, and uh, also didn't know who April O'Neil was to tell you the truth. Did not know. Really? Until you just said yeah that she's in the Turtles. Yeah, did not know that. <laughs> tell you the truth. With this game, we have two of the Ninja Turtles already revealed we have leonardo and michelangelo and now april o'neill which means you gotta assume that Raphael and donatello are are coming down the pipeline definitely but the the inclusion of cat dog is just fantastic to me i i love that idea for him as a fighter them (laughs) it uh not sure i mean definitely one of god's mistakes but oh whoa whoa (laughs) but i loved the show growing up me too remember winslow winslow is a fantastic a terrible roommate, but a fantastic character. Tip of the hat to Winslow. Shout out Winslow. Uh, so we've got Tony Hawk pairing up with the water company Liquid Death, selling, I think it's a hundred skateboards that are painted with the blood of Tony Hawk. 
That's kind of insane, right? Like, that's... Talk about a collector's item, but... The blood of the living legend Tony Hawk on a skateboard. Nah, he tweaking. <laughs> I mean, it. he's got to be the first person to ever do something like this, right? Nah, he tweaking. Like, he never he never put his blood into a shoe or anything. He just uh, put it on a board, you know? Nah, he tweaking. Would you, uh, would you buy one of these boards? Nah, 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 he tweaking. <laughs> you know who else is tweaking? Heritage Auctions tweaking the prices of video games. Here we go. Because here's here's the thing. We've talked about on this show a few times now about a couple of video games that are just old school classics selling for way, 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 way over market value by like at least 20 to $30. Um, and by that I mean like... By that I mean almost a cool million dollars over asking price. But it turns out that this may have been a uh, a scam from the get-go just to to hike up prices of video games kind of similar to like what happened with the Pokemon cards earlier in 2021 and like late 2020 uh that this was all just a ploy to make video games more expensive, retro games more expensive specifically. Tony, what are your thoughts on this? Wow so many feels because this whole time i thought that things were kind of fishy things didn't add up especially the numbers i definitely don't man so many opinions i i definitely i don't want to say disgusted but real angry that people people just don't care especially when it comes to money i think especially so for a couple people to but you know basically all i want to say i can't do a better job of explaining it than the video that i watched a couple nights ago it's a youtuber named carl i want to say jobs j-o-b-s-t they they made like a almost an hour long video they did all their homework and connected all the 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 dots and pieces and just figured out that the people who are high up in these companies wada and heritage auctions are in cahoots and they are just manipulating and in causing just weird speculation and in doing all just corrupt fraudulent things and, and he he just nails it with this video he breaks it down completely shows proof that this guy tried to do something like this but with coins in the 80s and now he's you know he lost a lawsuit actually with that i believe and, and now trying his hand at it again like everything is all adding up that this has been nothing but garbage but the the sad part about it is is there are so many of us collectors that truly love this and it's so weird to uh, maybe it's hand in hand with the pokemon card stuff like if you like video games then there's a good chance you like pokemon stuff or at least know enough about pokemon collecting or pokemon card collecting at some point in your life you probably collected pokemon cards right as a video game player maybe unless you're strictly xbox playstation but i would think that a lot of us did even then and uh i feel like if you grew up in the 90s you really had that uh like, Pokemon was just part of the culture. Exactly. So, like, to see both of these things get hit in such weird ways in the past few months is definitely a weird feeling. It makes you feel like, oh, man, I should have held on to my stuff. But, like, I feel like maybe that was going to happen with both of these things at some point because things always seem to be going higher in price anyway. But just the way that, even with Pokemon cards, the way that, you know, 
YouTubers and, and people just started blowing up the prices and now with the games it just seems especially with the games it seems like it's just a couple you know a, a handful of greedy people that are ruining an entire market of something so cherished and beloved by so many people and uh or so loved not be loved and uh yeah they're they're just pieces of dog doo-doo um on the bottom of of your shoe and i am so happy that they're getting called out for this nonsense i feel like i'm not really even though i just babbled for 25 minutes I feel like I didn't say anything that I wanted to, but I couldn't be more happy that they're getting called out for it. But uh, how happy can I be because they did it already, you know? So I'm like, I'm very against WADA grading. I'm very against WADA and the auctions and these people, and I will never get anything ever. I will never buy a piece of anything that has the word WADA written on it. They are scum. Scum. So I have... I have some Pokemon cards that I got graded by this company called Wada. They seem really reputable. Mm-hmm. And they told me that I had a, a first edition Venusaur, and it's worth $8 billion. Uh, you want to buy it? 10 bucks. Uh, let's split the difference and call it Lunch at Wendy's. Uh, lunch at Wendy's, and you got to throw me a button and a paperclip. And I can't eat much at Wendy's except fries. So I have... I have a piece of string and a mechanical pencil um i hate i always hate doing this but what color is the string the string is pink okay keep it cool keep it cool yeah i guess we could we could probably work something out for that if you want it's a deal yes yes (laughs) Ah. i don't even care about the pokemon card (laughs) i'd say we're both winners here so animal crossing sneakers by puma are a thing now so i don't know if you guys remember but for super mario's 35th anniversary nintendo teamed up with puma to come up with uh, a set of sneakers that i can only describe as absolutely hideous that's a little excessive they weren't that bad the 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 ones listen the ones that came out for the 35th anniversary were pretty bad (laughs) But there actually was like a uh, a second wave of Puma X Nintendo sneakers that came out that actually looked pretty fire. They had a couple of sneakers that are like NES Mario based and they have like a much more uh, subtle design. And I thought those looked really nice to be honest with you. Specifically the, the NES Puma that had just like the Super Mario Bros cover and it just had like the NES like color palette to it which i thought was it was just like a nice a nice look but now there's a brand new pair of sneakers on the run here and they are puma x animal crossing and they have the the color scheme for the animal crossing new horizons which is very very pastel like blue and green and like a light brown kind of color scheme going on I mean, it, it does fit the the vibes for Animal Crossing. I will give it that. <laughs> I like the shoes, but for the past little while, I've had a hard time competing with people. Or, or, or not even competing with them, but just getting used to the idea that I'm going to have to compete with people to get things like these. When the Mario kicks came out, I wanted to get one pair specifically and i was on it like a month before i was like oh these shoes are coming out i got it marked i got the 
the my alarm set when I get up early when I cop these and I don't really ever do that for sneakers that's something I don't collect even though I find them pretty cool for the most part I got up at like six in the morning they weren't available yet they said they were gonna be up at 10 boom 10 o'clock up still not available 1001 1002 still not available I'm like what is this like come on now you know I waited till like right like 1005 1006 they still weren't available I'm like I'm not gonna sit here all day this is trash you know my friend texts me at like 1022 he's like up oh, did you see the the shoes are up and available and I was like oh okay let me go check real quick and I do and my sold size out. was already sold out and I was like dude like what do I have to do you know like I'm already here well before the time and right on time and uh, am I really supposed to waste like just 15 20 minutes because they don't know like how to get their stuff together you know and then I have to be like oh okay I'll get it you know like nope too late so and it's it's really tricky too because we live in a really wild market for collector's items these days where scalpers really have like free reign over a lot of these items coming out yeah and a lot of people apparently there's these things called scalper bots the worst that will basically like they'll get something bought up in a second and then this turns into a whole debate where what's the morality behind a scalper bot like is it actually fair the answer is no the answer is no (laughs) scalper bots are not fair definitely not fair i've definitely gotten to arguments with people one person that you and i both know specifically about like scalpers and people who are like especially like when like the playstation first came out and people like bought like 10 playstations just so they could sell them and playstation ones ps5s ah and the response i usually get is get better at buying things on the internet which is the most dumb and ignorant thing in the world because (laughs) First of all, if I was on the internet when something goes on sale at 10 o'clock and it's sold out at 10 o'clock in two seconds, that's not my fault. Get good. Like, it's literally get good. And I'm like, you people are actually, like, trash. And I'm sorry if I'm calling anybody out who's listening to this podcast, but I won't apologize for this take. If you're a scalper and, like, you, oh, man, you're just trash, all right? You're trash to me if you're, you're, you're trying to take... A PlayStation out of like another person's hands just so you could like make an extra couple hundred bucks. Uh, and now that Target doesn't even allow you to go into the store to buy things, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely uh, you know, it just creates a whole conundrum. This is a Yoshi story episode, by the way. It creates a, a whole weird conundrum because now you have to have the employees of the stores there for like maybe a midnight release that they don't want to do or maybe they have to get in really early and over prepare for these animals let's just call it for what it is right yeah yeah, uh, of course even though we would both be waiting in that line i definitely would i don't want to speak for you but oh what i i literally sat in a line at a target because i had a, a website on my phone that said the playstation 5 was in stock in this building and we showed up at four in the morning before they opened and there was a line about 10 15 people long by the time the doors open they're like actually you have to buy these online you can't even buy them in store oh my god like we have them in the building and we cannot sell them in person we have to sell them online what i hate target for that that was target that was target yeah oh man wow that is they're like they're like we straight up have the console and there were like 
like five of us who are just there just being like, well, we also have $500 in our pocket to give to you. We will do it right now. Transaction over. And they're like, uh, they'll be on sale sometime today on Target.com, but we're not going to tell you when. And I'm like, this is trash. That is awful. That is so bad. It's just poor business practice, in my opinion. Awful. Wow. Because with Target, like, people do have, like, the the, the bots to, to get things, like, right immediately. And it's just really... It's hard. I, like, if you're able to get one of something and you want to sell that thing then that's fine if it's a $500 console that's selling for $1,000 and you're like you know what I you know I like the business end of it personally and I like being able to go to a store that has like a a deal that's like oh buy two games get one free in that third game if it's if I could find a game that covers the cost of the first two games when I sell it, then I got two games for free, you know? And I love doing little flips like that and, and the whole business aspect of it. But I think when you can... When something like this comes out, like a PS5, if you can get one, you should be only really be able to get one, like, per transaction, you know what I mean? Like, alright, I waited in Target, I got in line, this is... I'm just making this up, but I got my PS5, you know what? I'm just gonna sell it. But... When there's people like us, you know, you're doing that. I was pulled over on the side of the road because I knew Walmart was going to update their their stock every three hours. I pulled into a parking lot, and then I checked it again when I got home three hours later on my phone and on my computer right when it hit, like, 6 o'clock or 9 o'clock or 3 o'clock on the side of the road. Literally nothing. Like, you could put it in your cart, but then it's just like, nah, you're all set. And, And that's when the bots are definitely a problem because now you have people right out abusing the accessibility that these companies are choosing to allow us to use and i think it's uh i understand with covid you don't want a lot of people waiting in line and and fighting each other physically and making contact and, and that's not a good look for the companies to have that but i but yeah see why i say there's so many you know factors to it because it's like all right so we're just gonna sell it online and that's gonna be awful for people too except for the people that we're selling the system we're getting paid for every console we put out but now other people are making money a lot of people aren't getting them that can't afford to spend a thousand dollars on a five hundred dollar retail console um the covid stuff the companies like it's just it's messy and uh, I don't even remember what we're talking about. Tell you the Bro, truth. just get good at buying things online. It's that easy, forehead. I am going to wear nothing but Crocs for the rest of my little <laughs> life because I can go into any store. And I hope my life is, is long and, and great like everyone else's. Um, I wish that for everybody. need to put a little asterisk there. But I'm not competing with people for a pair of shoes. Like... That aggravates me so much. I waited in Walmart until midnight for like four hours for a gold Mario amiibo. Wag of the finger to Nintendo. Months later, oh, they're on the shelf at Best Buy. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, the the planned scarcity is something that like Nintendo specifically has uh, troubles with. You know, they they they've got their own like issues that we could totally delve into because that's. That's been a problem with Nintendo-specific things for a long time. But, you know, it was really interesting to see it happen with the PlayStation release. And I just feel like secondhand markets are really 
Like, they take advantage of a good thing, and sometimes that ends up ruining the experience for a lot of people who don't have the, the knowledge or wherewithal or even just ability to to be on a website at between the hours of 3 p.m. and 3 p.m. and 0 minutes and 0. 0.03 seconds. <laughs> Get good. You know what's good? What's good, man? Yoshi's story for the Nintendo 64. Yo. Sheet story for the Nintendo 64, you said? Yeah, I'm talking about Yoshi's story for the Nintendo 64, which I, I misspoke earlier. It actually came out in 1998 here in the United States. I had a feeling. I was like, there's no way I was five. When I was five, I was still on, like, Sonic 1 for Genesis. I don't even know if I was playing Mega Bomberman on Genesis yet. I don't even think I had Pokemon until, like, 99. And Smash and stuff was definitely, like, 98. But I didn't want to call you out. But I guess I did, because here we are, brother. What are you going to do about it? I mean, it was March of 98, whereas in Japan it was December of 97. So it's like, it was a like three-month difference. That's fair. That's and it, fair. It was barely 1998. But anyway, I digress. Yoshi's Story is a side-scrolling platformer game, which is basically a, a follow-up. I'm not sure that it's necessarily a sequel, but it's definitely a follow-up to the Super Nintendo Yoshi platformer, Yoshi's Island, for the Super Nintendo which I just uh, said Super Nintendo like three times, Super Nintendo. <laughs> and <laughs> this game is actually pretty wild. So the premise of this game, by the way, for those who are, are new to this story, you play as Yoshi, and you, you play as a bunch of Yoshis, actually. And they have a tree that provides them with all the fruit that they need, and it makes them very happy. It's called the Happy Fruit Tree. Lo and behold, this little ruffian named Baby Bowser, you know, sees that these Yoshis are loving this tree, and he's like, you know what? I want what they have. I want happiness. Time to time to steal their happy tree fruit tree. And the Yoshis are like, I guess it's time to, to get our fruit back. Let's do this. Storybook style. This is the first game that Nintendo really jumped in on the uh, the paper aesthetic for a video game, I feel like. And for some reason, they've literally never turned back. <laughs> they love it. I love it too, honestly. I'd say that they've done it with varying degrees of success. I think Yoshi's Story was an awesome start to the, the paper series in, uh, in the Nintendo universe. Agreed. The game plays out like a storybook. And there's an opening scene where you're being told the backstory of, of Yoshi. And there's a... A song that plays in the background. Tony, can you can you give us a, a sample of that? Something like that. I, I have a tear in my eye because the nostalgia just hit me so hard. <laughs> it was That was beautiful. Oh my gosh. So this game featured 24 levels across six worlds, and you got to play as 
a slew of different colored Yoshis. This was the second game where you played as different colored Yoshis, but it's the first game that you get to choose which colored Yoshi you get to play as. Listen, I was a light blue Yoshi. That was that was my Yoshi. What was your Yoshi playing through this game? I feel like everybody had one. Uh, when I was a kid, it probably was also the light blue Yoshi, although I will say they're all my my beautiful little Yoshi family, and I love them all. But I think the light blue one had the purple kicks, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely that one, I think. And Yoshi Story, I, I really liked this uh, the Yoshi Select screen because you had six different Yoshis to play as from the get, and they kind of acted as, like, your lives. Because when if Yoshi were to die, he would get kidnapped by ba- uh, Bowser Jr., Baby Bowser, Baby Bowser. And when you go to the character select screen, that color Yoshi is missing. So when you when you died, you lost that Yoshi. I don't remember if you could get Yoshis back or if you just had a limited number of Yoshis for for a run. The a single run through this game only consists of six levels. Uh, while there are twenty four levels in the game, the story plays out in chapters, and each level is a chapter that you get to choose one of four levels to play through. And the way this game is played out, you play as Yoshi, and in order to beat a level, instead of having just like a defined end of a level, the levels would kind of have these like branching paths that had different like warps to different areas, and you'd kind of go all over this just whole area, and the the objective that you had was to eat 30 pieces of fruit to, to move on to the next level. Mom. That's how. One more time for the kids. Mom. And you do that thirty times. Uh, and across these levels, you had different things you could collect outside of the fruits. You had uh, the fruits themselves, and then you had the super happy hearts, which basically made Yoshi kind of invincible for a short period of time. But based on how many hearts you collected in a level, would dictate how many levels you get to choose from in the next chapter. So the six chapters in this game, chapter one is the beginning, they call it, but it's your typical, like, grassy, very neutral kind of area. The next level they had was the the cave, and there were a whole bunch of different cave situations that you could be in. There was like a lava cave, there was like a dark, spooky cave, there was, you got to hang out with Bone Dragon, I mean, which is one of the coolest names for an enemy, period. (laughs) And then page three was the summit, which you're, like, in the clouds or in a really tall tower. And page three was kind of cool because it marked, like, a halfway point for the game. So at the end of every single page three level, you had to face uh, a boss. Tony, who is your favorite boss from these page three levels? The kind candy guy. And how did you defeat the cotton candy guy about like 45 more times i think or something <laughs> about, like that. yeah yeah i think you had to lick him a 100 times really or at least it felt it felt that way i don't know what the actual number is what a good boss yeah it was just a, a guy jumping around that you had to lick a billion times i liked the uh the genie in the lamp Oh, okay. But I, I'm i trying to... His name was Cloud Jin. Cloud Jin. And he was like a weird... Yeah, he was just like a weird genie that you had to 
throw eggs at. He had like spike balls that he threw at you, and it was like a whole situation. Is that the, the this, third level of page three? Yeah, the third level of page three. Ah, okay. I'm very, very unfamiliar with uh with playing playing this game as a kid. I mean, this game takes literally like 10 minutes to beat the whole game. I'm just kidding, but it does not take a long time to run through all the yeah, pages. Yeah, you can, you can run through six pages in probably less than a half an hour. Probably, if you play just fast and well, you know. Um, right. Even if you play bad, you probably still could, but the game's not about good or bad. It's about... Nah, actually, there's definitely some skill to this game, I would say. There's a... I don't know. It's a cute game. It, it's... Not the most challenging, but as a kid when I played it, I never collected all the, the different hearts to go to the different levels on the next pages. So I've played a very linear style of this game, I believe, and now looking at it in front of me and seeing all the different you know levels that there are, it makes me want to go back and, and go online and look at all, all the where It makes me want to find out um, how to beat the game 100%. I mean, it is worth it. I love that at the end of every single level, there's a little story situation where it goes back to the book view. It goes back to the... It's a pop-up book, really, that you're playing through. And it'll give a little highlight of the level that you played through and then introduce the next chapter. And the whole time that it's going through this, all you're hearing in the background is about 26 Yoshis just just belting out... Hey, it's your boy Pete Francesca. I got some cannolis for sale. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, the page turns, and it's great. It's great. Um, pretty awesome that Luigi makes a cameo too. <laughs> so after after this cloud level, you have a jungle themed world where you get to go through like a nice little tropical area. A lot of piranha plants going on. Page five is an ocean, which. I love it because there's a whole pirate shy guy section of this level, which was really fun. And then you had page six, which was the finale. And at the end of every single page six level, uh, which, by the way, the music for page six was always incredible. It had like a very like minimalist, nutcracker, sweet, almost sounding vibe to the level. So it was very quiet while you were going through these very hectic levels. It was very kind of cool juxtaposition there. And then at the end of each level, you fought this this little lad, Baby Bowser, who had stolen your tree, and you would just give him the old one-two skidoo. <laughs> and when you do that, you save the happy fruit tree. Turns out Bowser Jr. says something along the lines of, I don't even like fruit anyway. I just wanted to take your happiness, and this tree didn't make me happy, so just fine, take it. I'm going to go cry about it. <laughs> And then the Yoshis are so happy, and they go on their way, and you get to play through the the story again four more times at least. <laughs> and that was the beginning of a uh, more Nintendo decided to take Yoshi and Donkey Kong in terms of making them complete collectathons and very linear style games. Even though this game wasn't linear in the sense of you had to go to different levels, but you had to because you had to collect different happy hearts 
So it kind of was. The happy hearts were definitely pretty well hidden in some of the levels. Just like unintuitive areas to check or just just absolutely like for no reason way out of the way situations. Which it's fine, whatever. Uh, you're able to collect four happy hearts or three happy hearts in every single level. But getting them can be a chore. Another self-imposed thing you can do in this game is eat only melons as a form of uh, getting through the level. There's at least 30 melons in every level, the most populous fruit, and you get a score multiplier at the end of your run based on how many of each type of fruit you had, but you get a, a multiplier for eating fruits in a row. So if you're to get like the highest score you can, the best thing to do is eat 30 melons. That's hard because sometimes those melons are locked behind a mini game. And if you don't score well enough in that mini game, uh, one example is a balance mini game where you get 10 melons and you have to run through a little platforming gauntlet while keeping the balance of these melons stacked up on top of Yoshi. And if you, you miss out on any of them, you may be short a couple of melons for the level. Also, this uh, this game introduced Yoshi sniffing. <laughs> I feel like you could just like walk around as Yoshi and like he could sniff out like hidden areas, like places you could ground pound for either fruits or coins or something. Oh, with a schnoz like that, he's got to be able to pick stuff up, right? With his nose a little bit, being pretty good at smelling. It's true. Also, also to your point of uh. The mini games i think that's where the the skill level starts to come into play with a game like this because it's not you know you could beat this game very very quickly one of the shortest games from like a to z but right. it's the in-between stuff it's the do you want to get all the melons do you want to go for the score you don't have to care about the score at all you could beat the game in 20 minutes and put the game down and be like all right that was fun but if you really want to go all out there's definitely challenges to to master within the game which i really like this is this dare i say this is kind of a stupid thing to say oh never no. mind never mind never mind i was out with say, it no come on don't make me fine i was gonna say if you're, if you're gonna twist my arm um i was gonna say i can't even get the words to come off my lips i was gonna say this game is ahead of its time a little bit but Super Nintendo had Yoshi's Island, and I mean, is Yoshi's story really ahead of its time when Super Nintendo had a game like that and so many other games? Like, but for developing an idea of stuff in that nature, I guess it was a pioneer. <laughs> I I really think the split plat the split path platforming. Say that three times fast. Right now. Split path platforming. Split path platforming. Split path platforming. Blah, 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 blah. Nailed it. 10 out of 10. I think the split path platforming was pretty unique at the time. I don't know. I'm trying to off the top of my head think of games that had something like that, and all that I can think of is Shadow the Hedgehog. Having not various exits, but like by collecting these super happy hearts and being able to unlock future levels. I thought was a really unique thing at the time. I thought it was a really cool idea that Nintendo tried out. This game also had two unlockable Yoshis, where if you went through a specific section of platforming in two different levels in the game, you could unlock both a black Yoshi and a white Yoshi. 
And whenever you went to one of your friends' houses growing up, and they had the black and white Yoshis, you're like, all right, this guy's a gamer. (laughs) Because, listen, when I first had the game, one, I didn't even know black and white Yoshi existed. (laughs) And I I was told about it in school, like, oh, man, like, did you get the black Yoshi or the white Yoshi? And I was like, is this, like, Mew under the truck? That's what I was just thinking about. I'm like, is am I am I having my leg pulled here? Like, come on now, come Dude, on that's, now. That's all we had back then. We were in a uh, not like a Ness Ness Genesis growing up era, but still in an era where crazy games were coming out, but we couldn't just access all the secrets of them, which is right. And it's not like the cool. we listen. We were like seven and eight years old, you know, when these games or you know came out and. We weren't internet savvy, and we barely had internet. I remember when I was eight years old, I'm pretty sure. I don't even know that my house had internet when I was eight years old. Dude, I was coding when I was six. I can't compete with that coolness, but... Nah, I'm only kidding. I can't even read. Shout out shout out GameFAQs for paving the way for, for <laughs> dispelling a lot of these, uh, these rumors. Uh, and also, I'm not going to lie. Back in back in Gen One with Pokemon, I definitely did try to do everything I possibly could to get to that truck. Like I traded for an Oddish that new cut so I could skip the uh, the SSN, or as the anime calls it, the Saint Anne. Weird. They call it that. Yeah, they call it the Saint Anne. Oh, by the way, another piece of news. You know, just in the middle of us talking about Yoshi Story, this is the Yoshi Story episode. Uh, the Switch just came out with a new app called Pokemon TV. And I'm pretty sure you can watch most, if not all, of the anime. Nuh-uh. Which is kind of insane, right? That's pretty cool. If that's Yeah, if you can watch all of it. I mean, not a big Pokemon. Out of all the Pokemon stuff that I love and collect, the anime is very far on the bottom. But still cool that they did that. I, I recently finished watching the Indigo League, which mm-hmm. was actually a pretty good time. Not going to yeah. lie. It definitely had some nostalgic beats to it. I think, the, and I think most of the first season is on Netflix. For whatever reason, it stops before Ash actually goes to Indigo Plateau. Indigo Plateau. Hmm. Like, there's sixty some odd. I think there are seventy some odd episodes in the whole series, but for, for that season, and it stops at like episode fifty something. And I'm like, that's a little weird. <laughs> but hey, uh, speaking of Pokemon, though, is Yoshi a Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Like, it checks all a lot of the boxes, right? Like, what's what's one thing that we know about Pokemon? It's that they only say their name. <laughs> what are the words that Yoshi knows? You want me to say it? Yeah, yeah, I want you to say all of the words that Yoshi knows. All right, here it goes. <gasps> Yoshi. Case in point. Case in point. I mean, he curls up in an egg, which could just be the Mario Universe's version of a Pokeball. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, what what do you guys think? Let us know in the comments on YouTube or in your five-star review of us on Apple or, or a comment on Twitter, you know. Is Yoshi a Pokemon? And if so, what type of Pokemon would Yoshi be? Like, if he had a typing, what type would Yoshi be? Do you think it would be color-dependent? Ooh. Like... Like, where, like, each color is a different type? Or do you think, like, just Yoshi is a, you know, Yoshi's a dragon type or something like that? 
That'd be sick if he were a dragon. Also, what would a shiny Yoshi look like? Would all the color variants have their own shiny variant? Ooh. All these questions. I don't think I don't think Game Freak could handle Yoshi as a Pokemon because there's just way too many variables. Mm. Is is there a Pokemon that has like eight different color palettes just as it exists? Well, Cast Form has four different forms, and so does Saw's Buck. So does Deerling. Deerling has straight up just different color palettes. Are the shinies just like we're just lightening the shades for this for this color? It's a, it's a, <laughs> I'm it's not just sure, a little actually. lighter. It could it could be. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what it was. But I actually couldn't tell you all the what the shinies look like off the top of my his head. I I do think it would be hilarious if the Yoshi colors were just like on a wheel. And, like, the shiny Yoshi was just the next color on the wheel. <laughs> so you're like, I have a shiny green Yoshi, and it's actually a red Yoshi. And you're like, well, I have a regular red Yoshi. <laughs> and everyone would still be like, yeah, I gotta complete my shiny decks, though, bro. Trade me, please. <laughs> People would scramble for these shiny Yoshis that are actually just non <laughs> Oh, Nintendo, please make this happen somehow. Insert Yoshi into the Pokedex. Yeah. Oh, I know what Yo- they could do. All right, now I'm getting a little abstract. They give Yoshi, like, different, like, sneaker variants, and then they make the sneakers in real life, and we all have to, like, beat the shit out of each other to try to get them. Oh, man, just get good at scalping, bro. Dude, Puma.com. <laughs> Yo, these Yoshi Pumas about to be insane. <laughs> I actually thought you were going to go in a totally different direction. I thought you were going to be like, yo, what if Gen 9 just took place in the Mushroom Kingdom? Oh, wow. And and the Pokemon were just like various Mario enemies. Nah. I hope they never do that. Let two great things be on their own. That's fair. That's fair. We'll stick to the Pumas. Outside of Bone Dragon, do you have a favorite enemy in this game? Um... Let me look at this this picture, see if any of these knuckleheads come to mind. They're all, you know, they're all enemies, and they're all they're all kind of scary. So I don't really like any of them per se. The art but. style was very, uh, it was wild, absolutely wild. Um, you know, it being one of the first 3D games, a lot of these enemies just like look very crude, <laughs> and I feel like. The only lasting character that came out of this was Lakitu's Cloud, Randall. Randall. I mean, shout out Randall for being, honestly, maybe the most important thing Yoshi's Story brought to to Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, without Randall, Yoshi's Island would be a terrible stage in Melee. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't even be on there. It would just be... uh people not keeping track of something time-based in their head and being able to focus on the game more even though that takes a lot of focus to to remember that timer but no i don't have a favorite enemy i don't think they're all most of them are cute but you know let's be real they're all trying to kill me you know and that's not something that i could have a favorite of unless they're trying to kill me with kindness but still murder but also metaphorically it's it's just a nice gesture so and i don't think any of these have shown that gesture so they could all go to hell i guess is what i'm saying wow okay 
I'm trying to think, like, what else to to really talk about with this game. I mean, it's... We've been talking about a 10-minute game for 15 minutes. That's already a little redundant, you know? You've, that there, There's nothing. There's nothing. You've turned all the pages. You've got all the color variants, the, 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 the whole Pokemon conspiracy theory behind Yoshi. You've even, like, delved way deeper into the game by a long shot at this point. And you know what the crazy part is? I've still never 100%ed this game. Me either, dude. Never. I suck at this game. All right. So here's the thing. The game's not hard, but the controls are pretty bad. Okay, good. I want to say it's just because 2D platforming with a control stick that, you know, was one of the first of its kind definitely made the controlling for Yoshi weird because you could control Yoshi in eight directions. So you, there, I feel like this happened to me a lot. You know, speak for yourself as well. But when sometimes when you'd be running with Yoshi in one direction, you'd accidentally be holding, like, up or down, and it would, like, bring Yoshi to a crawl. And Yoshi would, like, start looking down while, like, slowly running. And I'm just like, no, Yoshi, just continue going left or right. And Yoshi's like, no, no, Yoshi. <laughs> And I'm like, that's not what I wanted you to do at all. <laughs> that's never happened to me. I don't even know what you're talking about. No, I'm kidding. I'm sure that's probably happened to me. Can you use the D-pad with this game? I don't think so. Hmm. I I don't think you could use the D-pad for this game. And if you could, then, God, I was playing it like a dang old goofus this whole time. A goofus. A goof and a doofus. Goofus. Gen 9. Giving you ideas for free. All you gotta do is listen to a couple episodes. That's it. We're giving you the groundwork. You know what would be a cool Pokemon? Chef Boyardee. Chef Chef Boyardee would be a great Pokemon. I was thinking the elephants with the stop signs (laughs) that exist in this game for no reason. (laughs) They're in the first world, and they're only... The only reason that they even exist is to teach you how to ground pound. And they're the, they're still to this date one of the worst enemies that exists in a video game. <laughs> I remember hating them so much because ground pounding was hard sometimes because you had to go straight down when you jumped with the control stick, and given that it was a control stick, you, if you were even like a quarter of a degree off from down, Yoshi would just jump and land, <laughs> and you're like, nope, ground pound, jump and land, nope, ground pound jump and land (laughs) nope ground pound i do remember that (laughs) so yoshi story while while it was such an important game for me growing up because i did play it i played it a lot but didn't beat it a lot if that made sense me too because i don't remember that this game actually saved like where you left off like i feel like you had to run through the six levels no it saved Oh, did it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right before I reset my game, before we started recording, I wanted to see how many levels I had completed, and it said I was on page four. So I was like, oh, you just pick <laughs> up from story mode, or you can go to the, uh, I think it's the, like a time trial thing, and it'll you could pick any level that you've completed. Yeah, they have the time attack mode. Yeah. And that got you absolutely nothing for completing it. Yes. But, hey, you could submit your high scores to Nintendo Power, and they may publish you in a in a high score segment so that was cool i guess that's sick i would frame that if they put it in a magazine or something i'd be oh like yeah gosh. when i was eight 
I made Did you- this magazine, and now I just take a picture of something and put it on Instagram, and it's the equivalent, but would have been in a Nintendo Power magazine. That'd be badass. Did you have Nintendo Power growing up? No, I didn't. I played the heck out of this game as a kid, but uh, no, I didn't really get Nintendo Powers. So I don't know if like my parents just really loved me or like something like that, but they got me Nintendo Power. I think they just parented me this way. I think they're like, he's going to read this magazine, and he's not going to like act out of line. He's just going to play video games and read a magazine until he's 27 and moves out. Um, and... <laughs> If that was their idea, gosh, it worked. It worked. <laughs> because I, from like the age of five until they stopped publishing Nintendo Power, I was a Nintendo Power subscriber. Why? You have all those still? No, 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 no. I don't have them all. But I remember taking the, every, so every single issue of Nintendo Power came with a, an insert that was a poster that you could pull out and... I remember my whole room growing up, up until maybe I was like 13 or something like that, every single month I would take out the poster and hang it on my wall. So at some point in my youth, I had a just a wall filled with these posters. Yo. And I would go back and like reread like old issues of Nintendo Power. Like it was, oh my god, I did know how to read. Oh my god, dude, what? But, like, ever since Nintendo Power stopped publishing, I I lost it. Forgot how? It, it, it's just not there anymore. I, I try, and just the words don't appear. Better to have loved and lost kind of thing, or? You know what? I do look fondly back on those days, yeah. Wow. I used I used to have a uh, a whole sled, like a plastic sled that I just filled with them under my bed. And whenever I wanted to read one, I would just pop it out and bada-boom. You heard about kids uh, having dirty magazines under their bed? Uh-uh, not this, not this good Christian boy. <laughs> it was, it was two hundred issues of Nintendo Power, baby. And then once, once I turned sixteen-ish and I like started going to GameStop more, it, it that turned into Game Informer pretty quick. Wow, you bad boy. And that's the story of Yoshi's story for the Nintendo sixty-four. <laughs> Come to think of it hashtag uh one more thing i think about a year ago i actually got i don't think it was the yoshi story it was either the yoshi story guide or the nintendo power of yoshi story but i got the poster the like the oh, threefold yeah? one yeah i have that yeah still in there. and uh yeah i'm hype about that i got that uh as like a little gift actually that one i think was like a, a coming soon poster i believe it's just it's like the the yellow and the green Yoshi and then Dog the Bounty Hunter is in the middle and they're standing on each side of them and it just says, eat all your vegetables. <laughs> and I'm not making that up. That's actually hilarious. I do like that Dog the Bounty Hunter, who is, by the way, the third unlockable Yoshi in the game. I mean, it was one of the first crossover events that Nintendo ever did. Yeah, really started things off on a, a, a strong foot paving the way can you have strong feet i mean just ask puma you're you're a jerk dude (laughs) you are a jerk why would you say that hey you're the one asking about strong feet gg wag your finger at me if you must no no well played well played i i i don't just go around wagging my finger when it's uh 
just out of anger. And yes, I'm very angry, but fair is fair. So I love you, and we'll get past this like we always do off, off, you know, camera. I do have a wag of the finger, though. Let me hear it. I was at a, I was at a musical event last night. I live in a state that has way too many people. And driving to specific venues within this state can be an absolute nightmare. I'm shouting out San Francisco being one of the worst traffic cities in the gosh dang country. It took me an hour to go 1.2 miles, baby. Wait a minute. How how long did it take you? It, it, to go 1.2 miles, it took us just about an hour. What? <laughs> yeah. Traffic was absolutely terrible, and trying to get to Oracle Park was an which is their like baseball stadium just an absolute cluster for traffic and it was just me and me and our our friend bubba were just sitting in the car and we're just like what is happening traffic was so terrible um so wag of the finger to california traffic specifically bay area traffic for just being the nightmare that it is i'm i'm that's one part of california i'm not gonna miss when i move California girls, they're unforgettable. Dun 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 dun. Oh, that's a great Weezer song. Yeah, that was the show you saw last night, right? Yeah, tip of the hat, by the way, to to Weezer, Fallout Boy, and Green Day for putting on one heck of a dang old show. My voice is ruined, as you can probably hear. <laughs> <laughs> you sound great, baby. You sound great. I've seen uh-huh. Green Day twice in concert. And you're welcome if you were just about they to say They put on a you. great show. They really do. Yeah, they 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 know how to they know how to get down. They they really get the crowd involved, which I thought was really cool. They they brought a girl on stage. They were looking for like a guitarist to play a couple of riffs with them and they're like you know, searching through the pit and they get this girl up and she she like plays a couple of uh, riffs on the guitar and then they actually ended up giving her the guitar. What? I was like, "What?" Like, that's, and it, like, she, like, the the whole crowd popped off for her because it was such a cool moment. Uh, And Green Day is one of the bands that I think just really knocks it out of the park when it comes to, like, crowd interaction. And the show opened with Bohemian Rhapsody. Nuh-uh. They opened with, like, but it wasn't them playing it. It, like, just played over the loudspeakers as, like, the opening for their show. So the crowd what? was already pretty, like, juiced up by the time that they... Because they took the stage almost immediately after the song finished. Oh, that's so sick. So the whole crowd was singing along to Bohemian Rhapsody, and then, bam, Green Day's like, all right, we're going to just rip American Idiot right now. <laughs> wow. So it was pretty electrifying. Listen, it was, and it was the first time that I'd been to a large public gathering since the the beginning of the dark times and it it felt good to be able to to go outside that was nice it sounds nice a nice cool california night weather a little green day yeah really really not many complaints outside of the traffic (laughs) (laughs) and nobody uses blinkers when they switch lanes in this country anymore i mean come on what is going on with these drivers here all right, we could do a a whole two or three part episode on on how annoying people are every day and all the bad stuff they do. But for today, we will keep that very specifically pointed at 
Puma and WADA and people in California. The traffic, the bad traffic people. And yeah, you're right. Wagging the finger to people who are falsely selling expensive games just for the sake of creating a pricing crisis for collectors. Yeah, they're just, you know, it's, I, I don't think they're, they're making, I don't know if they're making the bubble on purpose, but they're definitely just trying to make money themselves, which is creating right. a bubble, but that's what I believe, but either way, they're, they're greedy, but we're having a, a nice, a nice moment talking about traffic and aggravation. I don't want to get mad talking about these people again. You got a tip of the hat for us, Tone? Oh, I do. I have two tips, actually. Ooh. First tip of the hat is to that Carl Jobs person who made the video completely destroying these people. And the second tip of my hat is to Nintendo's help section on their website because I was able to fix my Castle Crashers game (gasps) and and select different users. Yes, yeah, a little continuation from last week, baby. We bring it back, baby. Yeah, it was completely oh, my awesome. fault. It was completely. Was it an my easy fault. fix? Yeah, it was exactly what it said on the error message when it said this is not the primary console. I was like, "What are you talking about?" Didn't think that before I sold my first Switch and I transferred all my data onto my girlfriend's Switch, and I thought if I ever get a Switch again, I'll have all the save data. Boom, I get a switch during COVID. Boom, I transfer the data back on. Bada bing, I think everything's all set. Little do I know that my primary uh, console is hers. So I had to go onto her switch and just basically go into my... You just go into the eShop, click on your profile that you want to enter in. I scroll down, and it's like, deregister, this is the primary console. Boom, it says whichever... Uh, console you use to sign on to the eShop next will automatically become the primary console. Boom, go on there with my Switch. Bada bing. We are ready Bada boom, to play baby. Castle Crashers. One, two, buckle my shoe. Guess what? We didn't even play it. We've been playing nothing but <laughs> Monkey Target and Super Smash Bros. Melee. Can can we agree, though, that Monkey Target is the definitive way to play Super Monkey Ball? Yes. Almost certainly. Uh, I was going to say, I don't know if we'll ever have a Super Monkey Ball episode, but... Yeah, it's monkey target for me. Oh, we gotta have an episode. That'd be sick. That'd be a yeah, good that episode. Be, that'd be, be a good fun. episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like that actually. In Super Monkey Ball Two, because that's the monkey target we play on. I don't know if there's monkey target in the first one, but we play in the second one. There are twelve mini games. Six are unlocked already. Monkey target is one of them. And then to unlock the other six, you need play points. We could talk about all this in the monkey ball episode. Hint, hint. Just saying. And. uh but you need 2,500 for each one, and they're not that easy to get the play points. It just, well, yet they're easy in the sense they have to play, but it's not like every level you get 100 or whatever. You really have to. I had to go through like four worlds to get enough points. So I really, oh, wow. I really, I broke my my code of silence not playing single player games because I'm too like awkward and, and weird to. I sat there last night for like an hour. And, uh, and beat some of these levels that I thought, I was like, oh man, this is tough. But you you know, you really get lost in a game. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I got pretty deep in it and I got enough points to unlock a mini game. And the good thing about it is, you unlock the game, but then when you're done with the game, you just turn it off. And then you don't have to collect more points because when you turn the game back on, you didn't save. 
So you have the play points again, so you could just buy a different game and try all oh. of them out. Oh, ah, yeah, oh that's, yeah. that's smart. There you go. Yeah, so now I feel like I have them all. You just have to give it a little reset when you want to change games. Not a big hassle. No, no, and it saves you a ton of time in the sense that you don't have to get a whole bunch of play points. Exactly. If I want to go back and do that, maybe I will, but for right now... I don't really want to. And the monkey baseball game is pretty fire. That was, I remember that one as a kid being good, and I is, played it last Is night. that in Monkey Ball 2? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I actually never played Monkey Ball 2. I've only played the first one. Oh, really? Oh, Monkey Ball 2 is just as good. Yeah, I've heard a lot of really good things about it, so... Yeah, I'm excited for the new one coming out for the Switch. I'm excited for a lot of new Switch games coming out, actually. I got, like, four games on my list coming out by, like... October, I want to say. Yeah, I think the the game I'm looking most forward to that's coming out in the immediate future is probably the new WarioWare game. Me too, yeah, that's one of them. So that one should be a lot of fun. There's a demo out on the eShop right now. I haven't played it yet, but, you know, it it's, it's a WarioWare game for the Switch. I mean, it's going to be so fun. Oh, yeah, you don't even need the demo. That's like an, an auto-buy. And I think I've said this before, but I have... A feeling in my heart that that game will be rare at some point. Just a, a just a call out now. Oh, like a, like physical copies, you mean? I think so. Yeah, I think Wario games have a, especially the WarioWare games. Game and Wario for the Wii U is like pretty expensive now, and uh, I don't know. Just have a feeling about that one too. Maybe I'm wrong. TBD. But we'll see. But we'll see. TBD, baby. And until, you know, it's funny because I'm saying I'm hyped for games to come out, but when they come out, I'm sure I'm not going to play them. Like, Sonic Colors Ultimate Edition is coming out for the Switch. I'm going to get that. I'll probably never play it. <laughs> when WarioWare comes out, I hope that I play it. And Monkey Ball, I'll definitely play it. And I know I'm definitely going to play the Mario Party when it comes out for the Switch, the new one. So there Oh, are that's games. coming out in October, right? Yeah, it's coming coming out soon. Ooh, that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have to talk about that for sure. Definitely will. Definitely will. Yeah, I'm actually uh, excited for games right now that aren't Pokemon games. But but yeah, aside from that, it's mostly been, you know, Monkey Ball. And have I played any other games this week? What have you played this week? So the only games that I've played were on my Twitch channel uh, at Build a Fajita. I was playing a little bit of Super Mario Sunshine. And I'm trying to do a 100% run of the game, so... I'm at like 88, 89 shines, and the rest of the shines are mostly going to be some of the blue coin challenges. So I'm not really looking forward to that because <laughs> I, I know collecting the blue coins can be a real hassle in the game because there's about 100 too many of them. Oof. Each level has 30 blue coins, which is just insane to me. Wow. I'm also really excited because September 6th, which is this coming Monday, is my one-year anniversary of streaming on Twitch, and I'm going to be playing a ROM hack of Banjo-Kazooie. Yo. And it is a ROM hack called Banjo-Kazooie The Jiggies of Time, <laughs> and you basically get to play as Banjo and Kazooie in a Ocarina of Time world map. <laughs> So you get to play through, like, various levels in that game as Banjo and Kazooie, which I think is going to be such a wild ride. That sounds insane. Yeah, so I'm I'm super pumped to try that one out. I think it'll be a really good time. If if you guys are around, head over to twitch.tv slash build the fajita, and uh, I'll be there 
September 6th, which is this coming Monday. 5 p.m. Pacific. Not for the, you know, not to shamelessly plug myself. Hey, man, one year. It's, uh, it's cool. It's really cool. And I'll say congrats on that day, unless I forget. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy you're doing something really cool. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. It's been a fun ride. Well, is there, uh, anything else you think that we should, uh, talk about before wrapping this bad boy up? Oh, I, I can't believe I forgot to mention this. Are you kidding me? Screw the people at WADA and Heritage Auctions. They are bad people. <laughs> they are liars and, uh, and and scammers. And shout out to Carl Jobs. And I don't think I said that. So now I feel like we could put a bow tie on this, on this bitch and wrap it up. And when I say bitch, I don't mean, you know, putting a... a, a all right, we gotta cut all this. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> See you next week. Thank you guys so much for watching. We hope you enjoyed listening to our show as much as we enjoyed chatting about video games for you guys. Uh, we are here every week. You can follow us on Apple. You can follow us on Spotify, and we even upload to YouTube. If you do follow us on Apple, please give us a five-star review. It really helps with uh, visibility for the show. If you can give a review, that would be even better. Please like us and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at Games of Our Pod. You can follow us on Instagram at Games of Our Pod. You can follow Tony, our wonderful co-host, at the Poker Rapper on Instagram. And you can follow myself, Bill, at Bill the Fajita on Twitter and Twitch and Instagram as well. Thank you guys again so much for listening. It means so much to us that you guys have been able to show us the support and love that you have and we can't wait to talk about video games again next week i love you